We're back, man. Woo! It's been eons. Two months or something. Do we know what an eon is, or is it just a thing people say? It's a long period. Okay. It did, uh, then it's been an eon. It's indefinite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been it's been multiple. Uh, the last time we talked, the season had just ended. The last time we talked on pod. On podcast. We, yeah, we, yes. we talk every day. We talk once an hour. Yeah, yeah. We, we talk <laughs> so, all the time. We probably talk too much, Bob. It's getting weird. Yeah. Every yeah. two hours. Let's cut it in half. Okay. That's yeah. fine. That's fine. Uh, yeah, it's numbers on the boards. I'm Bobby Corelli. You're skin weight. At least I think. It's been so long since I've seen you. I know, you man. Skin? You see, see how big this beard's gotten? You were looking yeah. grisly. It's so, uh, I you do spend this... one week in the mountains, and all of a sudden you just change <laughs> I know. completely. I do this every year, though. It's like... Uh, it's just bad for me timing-wise because I'm like, okay, the basketball season's over. I don't have to be on camera. I'm going to let my beard grow a little bit. But then that coincides with the hottest months of the year. So it's just a cycle of stupidity that I play out every single yeah, year. But the flip side is if you do gro- like not grow your hair out, right? If you keep it very well maintained, even mm-hmm. more so than you normally would, then you're getting sunburned everywhere. So yeah, at that's least true. You know, your face is safe. Can I, give I get a- sunburned on my on my whatever so you but you keep your hair My pretty scalp. short up top yeah, yeah yeah so you do you need to like go out there and and put a little sunscreen on top yeah. i want to do a quick shout out okay a shout out to the folks on twitter that will hit us up and say when's the podcast coming yeah don't those people make you feel good yeah dude it makes me want to record i mean i always want to record as it is but it's right. awesome that that so many mavs fans and maybe even just basketball fans in general want to yes. listen to this podcast it's so great. shout out to those good folks yeah for sure thank you for and spreading the word maybe those people well, come meet us. Well, meet you. Especially uh-huh. you're the man of the hour. I'm just there to support you. No, no, no. They want to see you. They want to see Bob. Uh, they no, want to see don't. this hair we were just talking oh, about. They, yeah, that's true. They want to feel <laughs> how they want to look at how sunburned are you? Uh, so we're gonna be hanging out at Petty Colas Brewery yeah. on uh, what June 30th. That's the day that it all happens. Right. So there was a funny occurrence that spilled out onto Twitter uh, last night. Uh, this all this all happened because there's some dudes from the the Mavs Reddit page. Are they have a podcast called Hoops and Hefeweizen? Yeah, and as you know, those are my two favorite things, right? Beer and basketball. Oh my god, it's yeah. so special. <laughs> so I was like, well, who are these guys? These guys like might be my long lost heroes. Mm. Well, there's another dude who's uh, his name is Tyler, and he was on Twitter going, "You guys need to do a thing at Petacolas because that's my favorite local brewery. Mm. I love Petacolas. I love Michael Petacolas. I love what he stands for. I love that it's a family business. I love By that- the way, beer to go." on we're rolling fam. september 1st that's right yep yeah we just high-fived yeah that's, that's right we're nerds yep. so uh so anyways he was like hey we need to do a meetup at Petacolas. and so i just it wasn't my idea it was tyler's idea it was like yeah, that sounds like fun i like beer i like basketball so i hit up michael Petacolas. he goes we'd love to have you guys so we're letting it spill out on twitter yesterday and tyler i guess tagged mark cuban in there and said uh, come on through. And so I was like, hey, I'll buy your beers, Mark. I know you're watching your money these days. Uh, and he actually responded, was like, yeah, I think I'm going to be busy that day. I, you know what? We should have told Mark, just bring the guys that you're meeting with to the brewery. <laughs> right, right. Once they meet us, they'll be like, all right, sign me up. Whoever the top tier free agents are, have them swing by Patacolas. Yeah, we can yeah, be a part of sure. this meet and greet. We'll buy all the beers for all of them. Right. Yeah. It's on me. It's seriously. NBA max free agent, dude. If you're out there on June 30th and you want to come to Petacolas, I will buy your beer. Mid-level guys, I'll buy your beers. Okay, yes. Yeah. Yes. And uh, if you're just kind of a veteran minimum guy, 
We'll get a separate we'll tab. We'll, we'll, yeah. yeah, we'll pool our money we might be able together. To get a yeah. yeah, who knows? But uh, we still want you. Yeah, absolutely. We want absolutely. you all. So uh, that is June 30th. That is a Sunday. Sunday. 2 p.m. Uh, 2 p.m. And I think, what, the 6 o'clock, is that when the... Uh, 6 free, Eastern. 6 so Eastern, so at 5. 5 uh, Central Time, that is whenever things can become, yes. I guess, not official. That's June, July 6th. But right. June 30th is whenever you can start like reporting things, agreeing, and The news will start breaking, and depending on what kind of mood you're in and how long you want to stay at Petacolis, we'll either have wrapped up, and as soon as you get home, you open up your uh, Twitter account or whatever your social media is, and you're suddenly seeing the rumors break. Or we might stick around there all night and hang out as the rumors break, right? It might be extra lit. It might might be be extra lit. Yeah, so we're telling Skin, you've told like everybody, uh, media people, fans, whatever. Mm -hmm. So we're we're trying to get everybody that that watches Mavs basketball to go there and hang out. I started inviting all the other uh, Mavs podcast dudes. Like, dudes, come on through. Let's do this. Maybe we can drag old Followell out. Yeah, dude, it's going to be great. And it's just going to be hanging out. It's not going to be any show or anything, you know, just talking sports, talking life. I love talking basketball, and I love drinking beer, and uh, we're going to do that. So yep. join us. Yep. Uh, just an impromptu, organic Mav fan gathering. It is going to be great. Yeah. Uh, got some quick news for you. Okay. Uh, we're sponsored, man. What? We are sponsored. We're going to get so paid, Yeah, Mom. you and me. We're Only. rich. Yeah, we are rich. Uh, so uh, we have a new official podcast platform for numbers on the boards, okay, and for all of your Dallas Mavericks podcasts, we got loads of them. We got like five or six of them. Yeah, we're having more. We're adding more later this year. So is this where I can get the ceiling is the roof? Uh, what's that? Is this where I can get the podcast? The ceiling is yes. the roof. Yeah, okay. the ceiling is the roof, which we Mike and I just did. You and I will talk draft later, but yep. Mike and I just recorded a two-hour like megapod about all of the players that could be there at number thirty-seven. You guys got your Jonathan Javoni on, didn't oh, you? Oh yeah, we did. We we dug deep, man. We dug deep into synergy and all those other things. Uh, if you want to listen to that podcast, this podcast, or some exclusive podcasts with uh, guys that wear number seventy-seven, then you need to download Himalaya today. It is Himalaya. Like the mountain ranges, H I M A L A Y A. It is free to download. It's easy to use. Uh, there's some pretty cool stuff on there. So they mm-hmm. will like personally curate playlists for you based on podcasts that you've listened to. Awesome. Uh, you can put playlists of podcasts together and send them to your friends. So if I listen to a couple cool draft pods and I'm like, hey, skin, I want you to listen to this, I can just shoot them over to you right away. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, you can search for shows by genre, by themes. Like if you like uh, mystery stuff, if, mm-hmm. if you like like true crime, you right. can listen to that. If you like basketball, you can do that. Uh, it is awesome, man. That's great. Hey, it is really uh, cool. I want to drop this in there because you were talking about different pods. So we had mentioned this on a previous numbers on the boards. I wanted to do this podcast where I just take topics and go weigh in on them. And it's taken a while to get it going, but it is happening. Nice. And it's going to be out in the next two weeks. Yeah. And uh, it's called Radios and Tunnels. And I got some really exciting guests lined up. And we're going to talk. Like, I'll give you an example. Uh, I did a podcast with Baxter Holmes, so if you read a lot of stuff on ESPN, you've read his articles before. Yeah, he wrote the pop, going to dinner thing, he which wrote was the wine, peanut and, butter and jelly. Yes, he's written so many good ones, and so I did a podcast with him on just long-form writing in the digital age. So, right, we went deep on that. I'm going to have uh, my mom and a famous chef come on, and we're going to talk about comfort foods. Nice. Right, whether it's like ramen noodles, or if you grew up in the South, you probably ate some chicken and dumplings and macaroni and cheese. So it's just like we're going to take topics and go deep on it. There will be some uh, serious things that are more like of the uh, political 
type realm. There's going to be things that are goofy. There's going to be like, I'll just review a record. So it's just deep dive stuff on things that I find interesting with good guests. It's called Radios and Tunnels. And uh, be on the lookout for it. I think we're going to drop in the next two weeks. Dude, that is awesome. I'm excited. Yeah, you can listen to that on Himalaya, I'm sure. Let, Himalaya, oh, get at me. Else you get podcasts. Yeah, <laughs> get dude, at me, Himalaya. Great. That is going to be great. If someone wants to... Stay updated. What you're just gonna tweet it out? I'll blast it out. I'll go. Hey, Bob, can you retweet this for me? And I'll and, say, uh, okay, skin. Can you give me twenty dollars? Absolutely. And I'll just slide it right under yeah, the table. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Uh, that's a lot of plugs, man. But we we ready right. to get to some basketball. Thank you for listening to Numbers on the Boards, <laughs> a new commercial. <laughs> we'll be back with you in two months. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's talk some sports. Okay. So, like I said, we were gonna talk about the draft first. Mm-hmm. Uh, or well, later. Sorry. But first. Yes. Uh, someone who's a little more important, no offense, than whoever the draft, uh, the Mavs draft 37th. Mm-hmm. We got to talk about this man. It is Dirk's birthday. It ain't any Happy other birthday. birthday. Dirk. And it's not any birthday. It's his 41st. 41st birthday, man. That dude two months ago scored 30 points in an NBA game, and today he's turning 41 years old. Isn't it fun to just think about the last couple days of how that season ended? Oh, my God. I mean, it is such a – it's so storybook. He went for 30 points, Mm -hmm. and then the next night, 24 hours later, he dropped 20 and 10 on the Spurs. Yes. That dude is And hit his last shot that he took in the NBA. Right from the top of the key. Right from the top of the key. I always go back to what my dad always said, never leave the gym on a miss. Yeah, Got to make your last shot. And Dirk said, you know what, I'm going to put a big bow on this career. Oh, yeah, dude. Awesome. Pretty incredible. So cool. Happy birthday, Dirk. He is 41 years old. Uh, Today, actually, we got a lot of Dirk stuff going on on like Mavs Social and Mavs.com. But today I wrote uh, an article. Actually, I wrote it yesterday. But it came out today about uh, Dirk as a young man Mm -hmm. in this league, right? Whenever he was still kind of a baby deer. It feels like everybody, if you're like my age, I'm 28. If you're from my generation or younger, then you really probably only like vividly remember Dirk maybe whenever they were winning the championship and then in the years that followed, right? As right. he was getting older, kind of slowing down, more of a spot-up guy. Everybody loved him, sure, but no one really knew like just how good he was, right. right? We only knew he was great because people told us how great he was. Right. So I decided to go back and say, okay, whenever he was like 20, 25 years old, what kind of player was he? Mm-hmm. And I just dug up all the YouTube footage that I could, and thankfully there's still some of it that exists. Uh, but for the most part, man, it's like – it's slim pickings online, unfortunately. And it doesn't look that good because the uh, high-definition era had not landed on our melon yet. Yeah, you're watching you know, 480p in 720. <laughs> it's, it's terrible. Uh, so it's pretty grainy. It's kind of funny, actually. But, dude, like he was such a killer. People don't know. He was know. such a killer. I saw right before I pulled out to head down here, I saw a tweet you'd put out of him. I think it was against the Pacers. Or maybe it was against Seattle. Sonics, yeah. Yeah, and uh, he was you know, at the top. He was about two or three feet behind the three-point line, triple threat, right? It's not a live dribble. And he basically just went hard to his left, dribbled down the lane, and just dunked on everybody. Two dribbles from yeah. 35 feet. Yeah, and so, like, people forget all that. And I think, you know, even the championship was, what, eight years ago? Yeah. And so eight years ago, Dirk was still in his – he was at the tail end of his prime – but he wasn't in his athletic prime, but he could still obviously get it done athletically as well because he would leverage his skills and his shot making against, you know, what he still had in terms of exploding in the basket and those things. And Jason Kidd was a plotter. So I was thinking about this as I watched that clip. I was like, boy, if these people really want to have their minds blown, go watch Jay Kidd in 2000 when he would just meet a point guard at midcourt, just beat him down, take the ball from him, and aggressively dribble down and dunk. Yeah. I mean, he was a mauler. 
And it was like a more even jacked up, way higher skilled Marcus Smart kind of thing. Like he physically beat you up. Mm. And so, you know, our championship was when those guys weren't doing the things they were doing as young men. Yeah. They were getting it done with their intelligence and their skills and all those kind of things. But it is fun to go back and look at because it's like, well, Dirk was a terrible athlete. No, Dirk was a bad athlete compared to Tracy McGrady. Yeah. Compared to the rest of the mortals on planet Earth, Dirk was a great athlete. But there's athlete. clips of him, like, taking Byron Ma- uh, Byron uh, Russell off the dribble, going yeah. behind his back and finger-rolling it over Carl Malone. His I skills mean, were through the roof. He's unbelievable. There's, yeah. there's a clip of him against the uh, Timberwolves in that 2002 playoff series. There's only, like, four or five seconds left on the shot clock. He catches a pass in the corner, shot fakes, kind of takes one dribble in, but then steps back, spins, and shoots a three from the corner, like looking like Steph. Is that it? Was that it. against KG? Uh, I don't know if the move was on KG, but it was in that series whenever he scored thirty-seven a game against KG. And that's that's the peak of KG, the defender. Yeah, and, and Dirk, he annihilated. Dirk averaged thirty-seven and fifteen, and the Mavs swept. He destroyed him. Yeah, he was unbelievable. So kind of uh, like I know a lot of the things that I do kind of my whole bit is like stats and kind of advanced stuff that it like takes a really long time to explain but this particular stat is very simple okay okay so Dirk is a seven footer that's a great stat yeah Bob. <laughs> that, that's it thank <laughs> yeah. you thank you very much uh he is seven feet tall at the time when he came in the league seven footers were grinders mm-hmm. right they mm-hmm. were they were Patrick Ewing types post up score from five feet away his rookie season, remember, was a lockout year, so they only yep. played 50 games. And I think he only played like 48 of those games or 49. So As a small uh, forward. As a small forward, right. yeah. He took 68 threes his rookie season at the time. So, again, that's a condensed season. Mm-hmm. At the time, that was the sixth most ever attempted by a seven-footer in a season. Oh, 68. wow. 68. And all of the guys that uh, were ahead of him were like Arvita Sabonis. Uh, Manute Bull, uh-huh. guys that were not from America. So you can right. kind of already see the the international influence, like even before Dirk, but he obviously took it to the next level. You, you know the Manute Bull bit, right? Uh, I you mean, know I this? Don't know. I don't so know. the reason Manute Bull shot all those threes, you know who his coach was? Who? It was Nelly. Oh, yeah. M- Manute Bull. Right? Manute, yes, Manute Bull was not a three point shooter. Yeah. Nelly, you know, Nelly wants space. Yeah. And Nelly's like, we're not posting this guy up. So I want you standing out there and I want you shooting three. And he, dude, it was a wind up hoist. But he had a pretty decent percentage. He right? started to make them because Nelly forced him to shoot him because the whole idea was, I want you to take the shot blocker away from the basket. And back then, illegal. Was that de- with TMC and all those yes. guys? Yes. Okay. And it might have been the tail end of that. And it might have even been when Billy Owens, because Billy Owens was traded for Chris. I can't remember exactly how it went down. But, but anyways, the whole point being, he was not a three-point shooter. Now he said, you're a three-point shooter. Get out there and shoot threes. Because the legal defense rules were different back then. But the idea was pull the center away from the basket so Tim and, and Mitch can kill their man and have lanes to get yeah. to the bucket. Oh, man. So that's why Don that Nelson's number, the goat, huh? he's the GOAT. He yeah. was ahead of his time. Yeah, so Everyone talks Mike D'Antoni, and Mike D'Antoni's great. Nelly was doing this stuff before all that. Yeah. Well, yeah, and that's that's another thing in that article. You have, like, Steve Nash setting ball screens for Dirk, right. not vice versa. Right, it's right. Like, well, that's what Kyrie and LeBron did three years ago, and people were like, whoa, revolutionary. Right. That was doing it 20 years ago. Yeah. But so, so Dirk took 68 as a rookie. The next season, though, he took 306. <laughs> which <laughs> which was more than double any other like the the previous record. So the the previous record was Arvidas Sabonis who took 132 
And that season was 1996-97, whenever mm-hmm. the league moved the three-point line closer to the mm-hmm. basket to mm-hmm. encourage teams to shoot them, to kind of juice up offense. Because you were tired of seeing finals games where the losing team was scoring in the 60s. Yeah. So they, they tried to engineer offense. Well, that didn't really work, so the league moved it back, and no one was shooting threes, except for Dirk. That season, he took 116, or he took 306, and he made 116, which was more than any other seven-footer had ever attempted, except for that one Arvidas season. Right. So, like, he totally... He was making more than anyone else was even shooting. You know, like yeah. he, he totally changed our concept of a seven footer. Guys, like that's the that's the thing. You nailed it. He changed our concept of a seven footer. I think I've told you this before, but uh, back when Dirk was drafted, you know, the and I'm not taking shots at the local networks. I mean, things change over time. But the Sunday night sports show was so essential. Mm. Like it was can't miss. If you're a fan of Hanson, you're going to watch Hanson, right? And so, the band or the man? Uh, both. Okay. Dale, uh, the band Hanson had a Sunday night sports show. Yeah. It's called Mbop Sports. But <laughs> so anyway, so there was footage of Dirk shooting elbow shots. Okay. And when the Mavericks drafted Dirk, I was like, okay, the Mavericks drafted a center. And I'd never really seen Dirk play. I didn't know, but I saw his height. And I was like, oh, they drafted a skinny center. Okay, he's going to need to put on weight to bang down there. Yeah. You know, because that's what your mentality was. That's what you're thinking. But I remember watching Dale Hansen's sports special, and they just had like a 30-second clip of Dirk shooting elbow jumpers. And I called my dad. I was like, you're not going to believe how good this center shoots. Wow, we might have the best shooting center in the league. You know, but that's what your mentality was. Yeah. You thought he was a center. But instead of center, let's put him at small forward. <laughs> yeah, so five <laughs> months later, it was like, wait, is it small forward? What just happened? Yeah. Uh, but the reason he could play small forward, and obviously it was better for him to be a power forward, and they learned that and moved him there, but – he moved really well. Mm. What I a mean, great he moved athlete. even well for three then. You yeah. know? And then once Nelly moved him to four, that was like, oh, 2000, 2001, kind of in there. Like, that's whenever he really started. Yes. I mean, his career took off. He was making all NBA teams, all star teams every year. Those power forwards could 50, not cover games. him in space. Yeah. No, they, they couldn't just at all. couldn't. Had they no couldn't choice. at all. I mean, even Tim Duncan, you know, as, as for as great as Duncan was, he and Dirk were having, oh, hello. Hi, hello, Michael. Boy. Look at this guy. Uh, just walking right in the middle of a recording. Just Doesn't like, matter. Nothing to it. We're loosey-goosey over here. Yeah, that's true. We are. Uh, I mean, for as great as Duncan was, and the Spurs won more of the battles than the Mavericks, of course, so whatever. But Duncan couldn't stop Dirk. No. You know? Nobody could stop Dirk. And, and, and to be fair to the Spurs, Dirk had a hell of a time trying to stop Duncan. But that's most true. of the times there was some cross-matching going yeah. on, right? Yeah. Once David Robinson was out of the picture. Mm. It always used to drive me nuts. That, and, and now we don't even talk about this stuff. But when people would say, uh, okay, Tim Duncan is a uh, power forward. And I'm like, well, he's the biggest player on the floor. He's covering the other team's center, and he jumped center. Like, yeah. what are you talking about? And he's about? playing closest to the basket. Right. What, why are yeah. we? But the whole point is we don't even care about this anymore. Mm. Basketball is a more enlightened sport than it yeah, used like to be. Like, what is Porzingis? I don't know. I don't either. I don't know. Is he a scoring machine? Is he a five? Is he a six? I don't know. Right. But it's kind of those questions have become almost irrelevant because of Dirk. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's a great. Hey, we went full circle. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the solution now is like, do you have a Dirk or not? Right. Like, is your is your second biggest or biggest guy? Is he able to shoot or is he not able to shoot? Bro. If he's not, then you're gonna have a hard time winning. Bro, do you even Dirk? Yeah. <laughs> Come on. That is the, that's the question, man. That is the question. Do you even Dirk? Come on, man. And so uh, kind of my conclusion from watching all this Dirk stuff is like, yeah, he's really good. But also like, oh, my God, what if 
what if there was a Dirk in the NBA today? Mm-hmm. What if 20-year-old Dirk was uh, on the big board up against Zion? Someone drafted him. What would his numbers look like? And I was thinking, well, that's kind of tough to even you know compare what was happening 20 years ago to today. But uh, he's a lifetime 38% three-point shooter. Mm-hmm. He never took more than 4.9 threes per game. What if he took seven? What if he took eight? What I if think he, took he would ten. Think he would have dropped more points. Do you th- I mean, if he stayed healthy the way he did and just came a couple decades later, now we're closer to Carl Malone and those yeah. kinds of things. And this is again in an era when you could hand check. Yeah. Whenever hand checking prevented a guy that was not overwhelmingly strong like Dirk from maybe imposing as well the way he could have now. Hey, let's blow your mind even more. Yeah. What about the we're, this is also the era of the hard closeout where guys are shooting four three three free throws all the time yeah. or making a three and shooting a free throw after it. And there's more much, much more restrictive uh, defense played away from the ball. Yes. And Dirk was always a master at drawing those off ball fouls. Yeah. He would get double them today. Yeah. I mean, he would average. Dirk would drop 50,000 points. Come on. Yeah, he Let's would, just absolutely. say it, Bob. But, I mean, his his career high was, what, 26.6, I think, was the, the highest he ever got to. Like, okay. it's not a stretch to say I, he might get, like, 30. Yeah. 30 a game kind of easily. Absolutely. I mean, you can't stop the guy. Yeah. He's unbelievable. Can you imagine Finn, Nash, and Dirk in the modern NBA? They would. I mean, they broke things. They broke calculators in 2000. What if they broke the league? <laughs> the league just had they to be would, repaired. I mean, that is because those, those Sacramento like, Dallas series were so great. They were unbelievable. But Finley was shooting forty percent from three on like six attempts per game in two thousand two. Yeah, you know. Yeah, they would have terrorized everybody today. I mean, they, you could. Let's get the that. band back together. Yeah, come on, <laughs> let's run it back. The the big three is about to start, right? Let's get those yeah. guys playing together. Yeah, man. Come on. Uh, so anyway, happy birthday, Dirk. Love I, you. I mean, it's not. Uh, I know we're looking back a lot. The Dirk that we saw this year was fun too. But man, it's just fun to kind of look back and. And think like, holy crap, that guy was unbelievable. Yeah, you know, whenever he can, was younger. Can I say something too, real quick? Because yeah. we just had the Heroes game a couple weeks ago. Um, man, Dirk is like, and my wife is really the one who kind of put this in my way of thinking. You know, because at the end of the season, everything happened so fast, and then I we got back in town. Or I got back in town Thursday, and then did a radio show, and our entire radio show was just talking about the previous thirty six hours. And then at the end of that radio show, I just did this deep exhale. I was like, oh, man. It was like suddenly depression set in. Like not, you know, I'm not trying to minimize depression, but I was like suddenly real sad and reflective. And, and my it's, an, it's an emotional time. It's an emotional time. But my wife was like, do you realize what that guy just did for 20 years? Now he gets to go hang with his family. And I was like, yeah, you're right. I'm totally looking at this wrong. Well, there were some amazing pictures that Monica and Steve and the crew oh, took yeah. at – and my favorite, uh, I, and I, I was giving Cuban a hard time because I walked down to the dugout and I looked, and Cuban is sitting next to Finley in baseball uniforms and their kids are crawling all over him. Mm. And I looked at him, I go, man, if I had told you in the year 2001 that I would be looking at this 18 years later, you wouldn't <laughs> have believed me. And, uh, and Dirk was there with his kids, and he had been traveling and eating ice cream. And, man, he's been having fun. He's been oh, having yeah. family fun. And for all the sacrifices he's made, like, you know, Dirk is a family guy. 
Like he's really about to experience some of the best moments of his life because mm. he's going to be kicking it with his family and his kids are at that age where it's just so fun being. His kids, kids are still young. Yes, I think his oldest is like five or six. I mean, they're they're he's going to get to enjoy their all of their big events. Yeah, you know, and everything. he doesn't, and he's not the guy. At least I don't think he's not the guy that's sitting here pining about. Well, what am I going to do next? No, not he's at all. He's soaking man. it in, dude. Yeah, absolutely. And they're about to go. They're leaving like today or tomorrow, mm-hmm. to go to Vegas, Vegas to celebrate baby. his birthday. Vegas, And then baby. after that, they're gone. You'll see them again in September. Right. I mean, they are For the tennis go, event, probably. Yeah, yeah, for the tennis. Yeah, which I, they don't have a date nailed down, but whenever they do, I will let you know. Cool. Maybe you might even know, because I know you usually uh, have Yeah. Uh, it's always in September, but... Uh, but I don't know. know. It's a, it's usually a Saturday in September or a Sunday in September. Like the it is in the September, back half of September. And I have seen a date, and I just gotta. Oh, okay. Fine. Uh, well, sorry to kind of send you down that rabbit no, hole. You're good. But anyway, they're gone. I mean, they're they're gonna go visit family, grandparents, their cousins, aunts, uncles, everything. Uh, Dirk's obviously gonna be doing the uh, the ambassador. He's gonna be an ambassador for the World Cup in China. That's awesome. In August and September. Germany's out there, so he's going to get to kick it with his countrymen, including maybe Maxi. Uh, so it's going to be – he's going to have a good summer, man. He's, he's going to have, have a great summer. summer. Yeah. Summer of dirt. Yeah, and he's doing a soccer game in Germany in July, so we're going to get some, some pretty nice videos from that, I'm sure. I bet uh, it's a lot cooler in July in Germany temperature-wise than it is here in the yeah, dub. Well, he's going to be heating it up on the pitch, man. You saw, you saw him take that PK against FC Dallas. Yes. He's not ready for soccer. <laughs> so it's going to be funny. Uh, it's going to be great. Love you, Dirk, as always. You the man. Uh, okay. Tomorrow is the draft. Mm-hmm. Remember last year, a year from today, actually, I think is the day that they drafted Luca. Or that might be, that's probably not true, but it was around this time. And I remember leading up to that day, we were obviously very excited because we thought we had a chance at that guy. And if not, they were going to get someone great because they were in the top five. Right. This year, they're not in the top five. Uh, they're coming off a year in which they wish they had more wins, but. Whatever. Atlanta gets their pick. It is what it is. The Mavs are sitting at 37. They obviously have a ton of cap space, too. So mm-hmm. this offseason is not for not for not or anything. Um, but the draft is a little different this time around, of course. Uh, I haven't heard your thoughts on this at all. I know Mike and Mike and I spent two hours talking about this the other day. But what do you what are you even thinking heading into this draft? Is there a need? What do you think about the class? I mean, I don't know. Where do you want to go with this? Well, I think uh – I think the class is not particularly exciting, uh, but generally outside of number one, of course. Yeah, outside of number, and you know, I I think two and three kind of. I mean, really more one and two, but you know, mm. we can debate three and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But there's always guys to find. Like there's always guys to find. So uh, I think you know, if you were to say without naming a player, if you were to say what would the Mavericks like to draft. I think they would like to draft a rangy guy that can switch, you know, in pick and roll defense that can knock down threes. Mm. And it's like, well, there's guys that can just like, I don't think you can have enough of those guys based on what you already have. And obviously, I would be shocked if they could get a player at 37 that was anywhere near as good as Jalen Brunson was. Mm. That was to be that lucky to have back to back second round picks be that good. So my expectations are low. I I'm, I feel like we're probably getting a guy that's going to get his legends on next year. Yeah, I mean maybe, but that's I think that's okay. Yeah, you know I, because I don't because think the Mavericks have poured more resources into the legends and they view it differently than they did five or six years ago. I feel like. Yeah, I, yeah, no, for um, sure. I mean, Costas is like, don't count him out. Man. Yeah, from the things I've heard, I mean, he's obviously he's got to he's got to fill out his frame a little bit, which he is doing with mm-hmm. Giannis. They're doing the woe in the weight room. Yeah, but. uh 
he is like he's a pretty important developmental project for them. For I sure. Think. Absolutely. But uh yeah, but yeah, I I think you're right. I think that they're also not in a position where they need whoever they draft to contribute from day one. Right. Like with Brunson, they kind of needed him because even if he wasn't ready, JJ went down. Devin got hurt on opening night and missed right. a couple weeks. I, I forgot mean, about that. Jalen was kind of like thrust into this, and luckily he was ready. I don't think that their roster is going to be built in such a way that the 37th pick needs to contribute. If he does, it would be a luxury. Right. But I'm all for Legends time. There's there's no way of knowing how free agency is going to go. Obviously, mm. Captain Obvious flying in. But <laughs> Jalen Brunson is a solid NBA starter this year unless circumstances change. Yeah. That's the that's what I look at. I mean, he's already at kind of the Dwight Powell level where like he's he's really, really solid. If you mm-hmm. have someone better than him, you're in great shape. But if right. not, he can do the job very, very well. I mean, here's uh I'm already at the point with him where, like, and this isn't a knock to this other player, but if, if salaries didn't matter and I'm sitting there and I got Jalen Brunson and I got, like, DJ Augustine, for example, I think I'd rather have Brunson. It's not because of age. Mm. Uh, and that's a lot to say for a guy who was a second-round pick last year. We know he should have been a first-round pick. But this is, I think, a bigger draft conversation, right? It's mm. like, oh, well, uh, he's not 6'4", and he's not explosive, so I need to overlook him. It's like, okay, that's cool. Meanwhile, the 6'4 explosive guy you took, he's kicking his ass every time. Yeah. He's, he's a basketball player, man. And I put so much stock in these guys whose dads played uh, at the level that Rick played at. Rick Brunson, not Rick Carlisle. Mm. Or Rick Carlisle played at the same yeah. level, right? Yeah, so I, just, I do put a lot of stock in that. I think like one of the reasons on a different level, uh, Steph Curry is – who he is is because of the environment he grew up in an nba gym and so did his brother and his brother's a late developer but look at and steph was to a degree a late developer Mm. but look at how how they persevered and how nothing really bothered those guys because they grew up in this environment so look at jalen brunson as a rookie as a second round rookie and look at his demeanor he grew up in the nba this isn't daunting to him this isn't like, oh, my God, there's that guy and there's that guy. Hey, that guy was friends with his dad. He's the national player of the year, two-time national champion, drafted to a team that the year before spent a top ten pick on a player at his own position. Right. And he was not worried about that at all. And do you remember what he was saying back then? Yeah. He was looking and he's like, well, there's, this is going to be a good competition. Nobody was talking about, man, this Brunson-Dennis competition is going to be intense. Yeah. It was, man, I think Brunson could develop maybe. Uh, that's not the way he looked at it. Mm-mm. And it wasn't false bravado. No, it was like he viewed it as an opportunity. Right. He's like, man, I had a better college career than Dennis did. Mm. I should be ready to go. And it's just, there's just something to be said about, you know, because you don't know until you know. But if you've been on the periphery the whole time growing up, you have a better chance of knowing the day you walk in the yeah, door. Yeah, for sure. I mean, what are these? Th- we say the same things about Luca. You mm-hmm. know, he didn't have a dad who played in the NBA, but he had a dad who played pro ball and spent Baller. his teenage years yes. playing pro ball. Absolutely. So he gets to this stage, and it's not too big for him. Yes. And I think Jalen, you can kind of say the same thing, although in a different way about him. Uh, but the range that the Mavericks are in, which is kind of like that early to mid thirties, they were in the same situation last year. That's usually where you get the guys that are multi-year college players that are pretty polished because in the back half of the first round is when you start seeing draft and stash guys. Yes. It's when you start seeing teams that you know don't have a roster need at a certain position because they're already so good there. They won 55 games. I don't need a point guard. We could use a fourth. Like Golden State has drafted four centers in the last six years or something because they just keep losing centers. Yeah. Right? They're, they don't need a point guard. No. 
So they'll pass on Jalen Brunson. Yeah. And then Jalen Brunson falls to the Mavs. And this year, I think in particular, this is something I talked about with, uh, with Mike, but I, I, I want to reiterate it here as well. This draft in particular is really, really tough to predict because the Mavs are picking 37th. 13 of the first 35 picks in the draft belong to four teams. Wow. Atlanta, Brooklyn, Philly, and Boston control 13 picks. Of Those the first are going to start getting moved. Yeah, for sure. It's going to be frenetic. Absolutely, because Boston, I mean, despite the, what has come out about them in the last mm-hmm. 24 hours, I don't think they really are interested in rebuilding. Right. right. Brooklyn is desperately trying to shed salary. Uh-huh. Atlanta, <laughs> they have four picks. Uh, they have three of the first 17 picks, and then they have three more picks in the second round. They're rebuilding, but they're not trying to get 45 rookies on the same team. Right. And then Philly, they don't have any players. Literally, they have like two players under contract, but they're not trying to rebuild either. Right. And then you have teams like OKC that's trying to trade. You have the Spurs with two first-round picks. You have the Hornets that are trying to move up, down, sideways, whatever. The Bucks are trying to sell their picks along with contracts so they can shed money. Like All of these teams between basically 17 and 36 are trying to not trade where they are. So it's just I have no idea what's going to happen. And all of this is happening in a year with a weak draft. Yeah. You know, it's like, hey, there's all these houses for sale in the market. It's like, I ain't moving. Yeah. I don't want to move. Uh, that's what this draft is this year. Well, is also, and, and, and the, the underlying kind of consequence of that is if you, if you are like the Mavericks, for example, or the Kings or any of these other teams that are trying to get up in the first round, if you do that, then you're like pretty much directly helping your competition yeah. either create max cap space or – uh, create a roster spot so that they can re-sign someone but, that you want. Right. Let, let's let's talk about that, for example. Right. We can talk about it in broad terms. We're not going to get into, uh, you know, tampering or anything like that. Mm. But, like, for example, there's a rumor that the Bucks are trying to move salary, and in order to move salary, they're going to attach their first-round pick to it. Mm. Well, what is it, 30 or 29? Yeah. Okay. I would rather have the Mavericks pick at 37 than the 30th pick yeah, in this draft. Yeah, absolutely. Because the contract changes, the amount of money you commit, all that changes. Well, and also you're absorbing, I mean, you're absorbing a lot of salary too. Right, right. Even, but even like if you just take whoever they attach to the pick out of it, yeah. just compare those two picks in this draft. 37 is a better pick than 30 mm. uh, because of the depth of the draft and the salary ramifications and what those commitments yeah, so are. So if you draft somebody in the second round, they do not – uh, count as a cap hit against your roster. Whereas if you draft somebody even 30th overall, from the moment you draft them, basically from the moment the league year starts on July 1st until you sign them to their rookie scale contract, you have space. a cap hit against your cap. More so than, and then keep, we're not going to get into salary cap minutia, but you have, if you only have four guys in your roster, you know, up, what is it, up to 12? There's eight slots there that are going to have a $900,000 salary cap hold. Yeah. Be just as a minimum salary kind of thing. So you do the math right quick. That's $7,200, right? So mm. that's could people look at cap. Oh, look at all this cap space. Well, there's cap holds too. Mm. Uh, so uh, having a, a, a second round pick or even or having a, a late first round pick there, that's going to be more than just what a salary, open salary cap slot yep. is. Yep. So there's a lot of... You know, you got to factor all that stuff in. And so as you're watching, maybe you've seen the reports on the New Orleans, Los Angeles trade, and you're doing all this math in your head. And, hey, the Lakers are going to be in a position where if they do want to get a max guy, they're going to have to unload some guys on their roster that have salaries. And this is a draft where usually you can go, hey, take this guy and his $2 million salary. I'll give you this first-round pick. Dude, there's people trying to give away first-round picks. I can't give them away. Yeah. It's just a, it's a crazy, crazy time. And three years ago, first-round picks were like the gold piece, mm-hmm. right? But right. now that the cap keeps getting bigger and there's more player movement, 
teams think they have a shot in free agency or on the trade market, they don't want salary. Yep. They want to get off their money. So, and here, here's the other thing is I just we can all evaluate players and, and things differently. But like when people are talking about the, the number four pick in the draft is the Lakers pick and it's reported that it's going to New Orleans. And people are like, man, what? This has so much value. And it's like, OK, look, if you think whoever you're going to draft at number four this year is generally in most really good drafts, the 12th or 13th player pick, go look at the salary of what the fourth player and the seven, eight million dollars. And then go look at the salary of what the 12th or 13th player. So what would happen is, is if you evaluate that guy as ah, he's a mid first round pick, you are almost paying two to three times more for that player than you would in another draft. Mm. That's not good cap management. So all these things factor into who's going where and the picks. And like when people go, ah, I think New Orleans wants that four pick because they're going to trade him for a really good veteran. Really? There's someone who's given up a really good veteran yeah, for the fourth that. pick in this draft? You and I talked about that three months ago. It was like, would you rather have four or six and give it away? Right. You know? And I'd rather it, give it away. Yeah, now, three's a little different, but yeah. two's great. But Why? then you never know. Maybe maybe the fourth pick in this draft is better than all the other people. Yeah, and that's a no development idea. I mean, thing. the year Damian Lillard got drafted, yes. he was like some dude from Weber State, and now yes. he might be a Hall of Famer. Yeah. And even do the same thing with C.J. McCollum, right? Yeah. But, but, the, but the, the other point of this is there may be a scout in an organization that goes, I'm telling you, Culver is better than Jimmy Butler, and we've got to get that. You never know how people evaluate. So that's what – when I have these conversations with people, I'm always like, well, I don't know how their basketball people evaluate because that matters. Mm. That absolutely matters. Like, do your people believe that this guy – look at the Dirk draft. Dirk yeah. should have gone number one or number two, right? Yeah. Dirk and Paul Pierce. <laughs> right. Neither of them went in the top eight. But the basketball people thought Ola with Candy was the, was the choice there in L.A., right? Yeah. So yeah. You never know. You never know. Uh, lastly on that, the Lakers are reportedly trying to buy picks. Buying picks, you're, you're given a certain allotment of cash per year, basically about five, five and a half million dollars that you can send to teams mm -hmm. as parts of trades or that you can receive too. So you can send out up to, I think, 5.2 is the number, and you can receive. Did we ever call that the Cuban rule? Because when Cuban got here, he was throwing cash in every deal. Really? Oh, yeah. Just so they no cap? Uh, like there was no cap on the amount of cash? I don't think so. I could be wrong. I thought they instituted that rule after a while. Really? Maybe that next time we see Cuban, we'll ask him. Yeah, that's But, like, I, I remember know. every deal that the Mavericks did had cash considerations. Really? Like, Cuban's like, yeah, throw some money around. And then I think the original limit they put on it was $3 million, and then I guess it's gone up as the cap well, has gone Inflation, up. man. Yeah. yeah. But uh, so you can you can theoretically send like whenever the Mavericks uh, acquired Josh McRoberts from the Heat, I think in 2017, mm -hmm. the Heat sent like five million dollars to the Mavericks, basically to offset his salary. Now, his salary still counts against the cap. Right. But that cash helps you kind of like, I guess, bite the bullet on that, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, and then also the Mavericks received a, a 2023 second round pick. So the Mavericks, theoretically, because they have all of their money, they could buy more picks, just like the Lakers are reportedly trying to do. Or they could sell their pick for up to $5.2 million, too. Mm -hmm. So that, that's how that cash works. It's basically everyone is given – it's like Monopoly money. Right. It doesn't really count for anything. I mean, it is real money. Right. But it doesn't count against your cap. Do you know why the Lakers are trying to buy those picks, according to rumors? So that they don't have cap holds. Yeah. <laughs> and then also so they can attach those picks yeah. to these contracts they may want to get off of if yeah. they have – Whoever said Max free agent wanting to join Anthony Davis and yeah, LeBron James. It's crazy, man. There's never been – I mean, this offseason was already going to be wild and this draft was going to be wild because of the nature and the quality of the draft. But given what happened to Golden State and now how there's kind of a vacuum at the top and I don't know what's going to happen with the Raptors. What's happening with the Rockets? 
Yeah. Well, yeah. I, well, that's a good question and a good statement. I mean, but, dude, uh, the Rockets have turned into the final scene of Reservoir Dogs. It is crazy. It is crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And, 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 and I just want to hit this right quick. Yeah. So it's funny. My initial take on Chris Paul going to the Rockets was wrong. Those guys can't play together. There's no way. They and almost it, won a championship. They, almost won, they should have, and yep. Chris Paul got hurt. It was basketball nirvana for a year. And then the people who had that opinion ended up being right. It just took 18 months to be right. But those 18 months, we were very, very wrong. Yep. But, man, those alphas, boy, that is a thin margin before those dogs start barking. Yep. And, boy, the, boy, the littlest thing goes wrong, and I'm looking at you different, and then suddenly those barks are crazy loud, and now it's unsalvageable. Mm. Wow. Well, and major coaching staff changes, and there's roster upheaval, losing guys like Luke and Bamute, people, and Trevor Ariza both gone from a team that won 65 games, and it's just. By the way, it is very common, very common for new owners to come in, and make things tough, yeah. because, and we saw it in Sac- Sacramento's evening out now. Yeah. But when that owner first got there, some there was some tumult. Yes, and then I think that's what we're seeing with the Rockets, and the reason being is because these guys that make all this money out there in the world, it's hard to tell them they're wrong, mm. you know? And it's like, really? Because I could buy your family right now if I wanted to. Do you realize <laughs> how I did that? And so my whole point is that just by the very nature of how they got to where they got, it's hard to tell them they're wrong. Mm. So it's like, well, this works. Let me tell you how we're going to do this thing. I mean, Dan Snyder's still doing it in Washington, right? Mm. And it's just, it doesn't mean he's not an incredible, successful man, but sometimes whatever you did in this business world doesn't translate to this yeah. world. One example that hits close to home here is whenever Mark Cuban bought the Mavericks. Obviously, they were a losing team, and they started winning, so it seemed like it was smooth, but then a couple years down the line, right. the Nash situation happened, yes. and then all of a sudden there's there's coaching change. and So there's always kind of, it's a new regime. Man. Yes. It's yeah. new people in charge and you gotta figure it all out if you get a different boss at your job things are gonna change oh it happened to me i've been fired for so yeah whoever that was made a mistake absolutely stunt on them right now tell them how wrong they were yeah look at me now yeah you're on this podcast (laughs) on this podcast listen to on the himalaya app right um i do want to kind of run down I, i got a quick list for you of the most recent number 37 overall picks. Okay. Now, I have, I mean, if you listen to the thing with Mike or if you just, whatever, if you read anybody on the internet, there's going to be people in the second round that you're like, this guy might be able to, might be able to play. Uh, but I got some, I don't know. I, I, I want to make sure our expectations are calibrated correctly. Okay. So, first off, two players that have ever been taken 37th overall have career scoring averages of 10 points per game. One of them is Archie Clark. Uh Funny. Oh, exactly at 37. Yeah. Okay, okay. One of them is Archie Clark, who, fun piece of trivia, uh, played one game for Philly in the 1971-72 season. He played opening night and then was immediately traded to Baltimore for some reason. He was awesome. He averaged 16.3 points per game for his career. He's the best 37th pick ever. Wow. In terms of scoring. The second best, uh, former Maverick great Nick Van Exel. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Wow. Average, I think, only like 12 points per game for his career. Because for a while, he was like coming off the bench, kind of yeah. lower lower scoring numbers. But in his heyday, he was an all-star. Oh, my God, man. One of the most fun basketball memories I have is the game where uh, I got to travel. I was at the ticket at the time, and they sent me to Sacramento for that series. Oh, nice. And that – He went ballistic. He was so series. good. And, and so the interesting thing about Arco, it was like a college arena. And the best way I could describe it is that if you go into an NBA arena, it's very horizontal. Like it's laid out, and it and it there's a it's not a steep incline, right? The pitch of the stands, 
Arco felt like it was vertical. Yeah. And so what happens is it's like these college arenas, the sound goes straight up. And it is rambunctious and maddening, and they had cowbells and all that crap. And I can just remember feeling like I was in the apocalypse, and in the middle of all the apocalypse, the superhero Nick Van Exel is down there just guiding. Yeah. I mean, it dude, was, that is his element, right? That is his element. It was magic. I love that dude. Yeah. That and, was uh, so fun because everyone's like, "Oh, that we needed Rafe LaFrance, and Rafe was fine." But that was Nick Van Exel was the thing that. He, he brought attitude, he brought swagger, and he brought the ability to light it up. Yeah, and just from a basketball perspective, he gave them Nash, Van Exel, Finley, Dirk, all on the floor at the same time. How mm. are you stopping that? That's a mm. lot of shooting. That's a lot of playmaking. I mean, God, that was so fun. That's a really good team, man. Uh, also, shout out to Nick Van Exel for finally discovering iced coffee. Oh, I didn't know this. Yeah, yeah. He finally started drinking iced coffee. He's loving it on Twitter if you follow him. Uh, We'll see once he realizes that cold brew is a thing, too. I wonder if that will turn his world upside down. Too. Does he still but, live here in the offseason? Uh, I, th- I don't know. I think actually, he plays a lot probably. of golf here in the offseason. Yeah. It's a good place to be if you play Absolutely. golf. Absolutely. A lot of golf course around here. Yeah. Uh, but your 10 most recent number 37 draft picks. So th- that's just to give you an idea of, like, odds are they So you're telling me we can sport. draft Van Exel? Well, sure, yeah, yeah, I can. But there have been some quality role players taken in that range, too. Guys like Luke Mbamute, uh, Josh McRoberts, Eddie House. But here are your most recent uh, 10 number 37 picks. Last year, Gary Trent Jr., who lit it up for the Legends, actually. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of like a fringe Portland roster right now. Right. Uh, year before, Simi Ojale from SMU. Oh, yeah. Rotation player pick. for the Celtics. Heck yes. Uh, former Maverick, Chinanu Onwaku, okay. who was with, I believe, the Rockets, and then uh, traded to Dallas, cut, and he's I think he was in the G League this season. Uh, Rashawn Holmes, who's bounced around the league a little bit, mm-hmm. always plays. He plays like Wilt against the Mavs. Yes, he does. Uh, he's he's a pretty nice player. Is he currently? Where is he currently? Uh, he was with Phoenix, Phoenix. for a minute. Yeah, yeah, but he's been uh, most uh, most for the longest time. I think he was with Philly. Philly That's yeah. kind of his most recognizable. Uh, DeAndre Daniels, who's the only player on this list who's never appeared in an NBA game. Uh, the year before that, UNT zone Tony Mitchell. All right. Uh, the year before that, he was drafted by the Pistons, right? Yes. Okay. And then he was with the Pistons. I think played with another team as well, maybe like the Hawks or something for a minute. But has played in the G League for a while. Uh, Quincy Acy, former okay. Maverick, yeah, Baylor, product. great dude, He's carved out a career. I think he was. He was on a team this season, wasn't he? Uh, he was. Was it the Nets? He was with last, or was he there was, somebody after he was with that? The Knicks and the Mavs and the and the, yeah, he was with the Nets last season. I think he might have been with Phoenix okay. this year or something. But Huge Cowboys fan. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And he's. I mean, he's he's been in the league. He's been around for a while. Oh yeah. Uh, Trey Tompkins, longtime Real Madrid teammate of Luca, mm-hmm. multi-time Spain champion. By the way, they're up 2-0 in the in the finals against oh. Barcelona. So I guarantee you, Luca's very happy. He is. Uh, Darrington Hobson. Who I don't remember him at all. Tennessee, I think, is where he went. Okay, uh, and then Dewan Blair, former. Oh yeah, yeah that's a great State number thirty-seven yeah. pick. Yeah, so he had the knee problems, or he would have gone way higher. Oh yeah, way higher. For yeah, sure. for sure. Incredible uh, college player. But that's kind of like, you know, you can't draw too many conclusions. There's been what seventy-three number uh, thirty-seven picks all time, I think, or seventy-two or something like that. But those are the ten most recent. That kind of gives you an idea of like the level of player that usually comes from that range is like. Possible rotation player, uh, you know, know, toward the end of the bench, at least at the beginning of their career. Players like Trent, Ojale, Rashawn Holmes, for sure, Mm -hmm. I think could be like steady rotation players. Quite frankly, that was a more impressive list than I thought 
I would have guessed yeah. for number 37 yeah. over the last I mean, decade. Once you get down like into the 40s and especially in the 50s, that's yeah. whenever it's like most of the players don't even make a roster. Right. But whenever you're in between 31 and 40, like right at the beginning of the second round, you have players that can and will make your team and that can contribute. Mm-hmm. It just might not be like starter level. Right. But then again, if we pulled up the list of the most recent 33 picks, we'd probably say the same thing. Yeah. Brunson is a huge success story. Right. So I have no idea. So whenever you factor this into just the the general unpredictability of the draft also with the fact that there's a vacuum at the top of the league so every team is trying to win the championship i have no idea what's going to happen i don't either uh but i think if you judge this draft based on mock drafts you're doing it wrong because there's probably going to be like 35 trades and who knows the maps might be part of one of them where should people watch the draft um man we're not having a party um, there's a media shindig yeah, down at the yeah, American there's a Airlines. Media gathering. It's Fajita night. I'm pretty stoked about that. Sweet. Um, but yeah, we're we're not doing a live party. Last year we had one at Canton Hall and it was great, but that's because it was you know it was the uh, top five pick. Draft. Yeah, you guys uh, had Harp down there for that, didn't you? Oh, we had yeah, dude. We had uh, Harp. We had Dennis was there. Oh, that's right. Uh, and Sean Marion was there too. Very cool. Uh, yeah, it was great. It was a really good time. Um, so we're not doing any live thing like that. The draft is gonna be on ESPN. I think they're doing a simulcast on ESPN two with just uh, like college analysts. So okay. if you prefer like the, I think it's like Jay Billis and those guys. I love Jay uh, Billis. Reese Davis. I think mm-hmm. you can be hosting that one, or you can watch the ESPN one with your NBA personalities. Uh, you can follow along on Twitter as well too. Basically, just follow Woj. Yeah, that'll pretty much give you. Uh, Woj and Stein got it unlocked. Yeah, but the Mavs, unless they make a deal, the draft starts around six thirty. The Mavs will be making their pick around I don't know, probably like 9, 30, 10 o'clock. Uh, and then immediately afterward, Donnie, Rick, and Cuban usually address the mm-hmm. media unless yep. they're like in the middle of some intense negotiation. Uh, so we will share a video of that online. Um, I'm not sure they'll stream it anywhere. They might uh, share it like live on the news if you're watching the news. But uh, but yeah, we'll have it online too. Beautiful. Where are you going to be? Is the fan doing a, a draft show or anything? So we're not doing a draft show because we have this current thing going on called Fan Phenom, which, by the way, if anyone's listening and wants to be a sports talk host, we do this thing called Fan Phenom. You can audition. F- yes. Yeah. And so we're out in Mansfield tomorrow doing our show, and then immediately after, I say tomorrow, by the time people listen to this, they're either listening tonight or tomorrow morning. Yeah. So I'll be off the air at 7 o'clock, and I'll be in Mansfield. So I'll probably swing by the AAC and come hug you and Machine and all that kind of stuff. So are people at your show, are they going to be like, coming on the air auditioning with you or no 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 it's 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 an off-air thing okay because there's uh god bless them there's some people that don't belong on the radio so we don't want to put that on the radio (laughs) and set the transmitter on fire you're just gonna be out there hanging with those with with that crowd uh i will be waving to them as i run out the door to head Ah. to to the american Airlines center nice okay well i'll see there i'll save some fajitas for you oh thank you dude yeah uh and then after that the fun begins. June 29th is whenever you can start scheduling meetings. June 30th is whenever you can start signing contracts. You can come hang out with us at Petticolas. Yeah, man. And then uh, Summer League starts July 5th, July 6th, somewhere in there. Free agency really kicks off on the 6th. That's when you can sign contracts. Yeah. So this is kind of the calm before the storm. Calm before the storm. It's going to be fantastic. Yeah, it is going to be awesome. Uh, so we will see you on this podcast soon. We will see you at Petticolas yes. on uh, Sunday, June 30th at 2 p.m. Come out, hang out with us, hang out with all the Mavs people from the internet. Uh, until then, man, it's numbers on the boards. Happy birthday, Dirk. And Happy birthday, uh, Dirk. Yeah, we'll Happy 41st, that. number 41. Oh, man, the best 41 ever for sure. No offense, Kelly Olenek. It is Dirk. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll see y'all soon. It is numbers on the board. See